Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show that shares honest, real-life stories and insider info from internationals living in Canada. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow newcomers and learn all about where they are from in the world, why they chose Canada as their new home, and the lessons they've learnt along the way. It's great to have you. We are kicking off Series 2 with an expert episode. Our interviews with newcomers to Canada will be interrupted every now and then to sit down with seasoned experts on all things from immigration law to financial or real estate advice. This episode, I sit down with Paul Murphy, a senior communications advisor of the Ontario region of the Canada Revenue Agency. As this episode is being released during the prime time to file your 2020 income tax return, Paul is here to discuss important tax tips that newcomers to Canada should know. I think one other deduction I want to mention just briefly for this year in particular, because I know it's on a lot of people's minds, it's uh, the deduction for home office expenses. Mm. If you needed to work from home in 2020 uh, because of the pandemic, Uh, you can use a simplified flat rate method to claim home office expenses on your tax return. Uh, It's uh, $2 a day uh, to a maximum of $400. You have to have worked from home at least 50% of the time uh, for a minimum of four weeks. But I know a lot of people were sent home, you know, in, in March last year and have stayed there ever since. Paul breaks down the process of filing your annual income tax return. He shares some definitions of various available benefits, credits and deductions that you can claim, as well as which frauds and scams to look out for. This episode is supported by TurboTax, an easy-to-use CRA-approved online tax filing software. Create your tax profile by answering some simple questions and they'll automatically search more than 400 possible credits and deductions for you so that you can get every dollar you deserve. Get 10% off your return right now by visiting bit.ly forward slash TurboTax Canada. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash TurboTax Canada. Let's start the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the New to Canada podcast. Today, we are very lucky to be able to pick the brains of Paul Murphy, a senior communications advisor of the Ontario region of the Canada Revenue Agency. Paul, thank you so very much for, for your time today. Oh, it's great to have you to be on your show. I'm, I'm happy to join you. Fantastic. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to learning a lot more about the CRA and the Canadian income tax system. I am by no means going to pretend to know anything about the subject. It's so shameful, I know. I think a lot of people are in the same boat, right? You know, you get you get pretty overwhelmed by it all. It can seem really complicated, so you often outsource it to accountants and the like. But I know that it is something that I should definitely educate myself more on, especially as a newcomer to Canada. You know, you finally get some confidence and understanding for your own country's tax system, and then boom, you move to an entirely new one. So yes, I'm, I'm really happy that you're here and uh, we can shed some light onto this often intimidating topic. Yeah, so it can be a little bit daunting, but um, hopefully I'll be uh, able to shed some light on some of these uh, topics for you and, and help your listeners understand better how the system works. 
Yes, fantastic. So great. So yeah, first of all, can you uh, just quickly tell us a little about yourself? So you were born and raised in Canada. How long have you worked for the CRA? I've been with the CRA for 21 years now. I started out as a telephone agent uh, working in the call centers and I've made my way up into communications after all this time. Wow, great. So yeah, you know your stuff then. We've got the right guy. <laughs> Hope so. Great. So let's kick things off with a nice, simple question. What is the mm -hmm. CRA and what do you do? Okay, well, the CRA is the Canada Revenue Agency. Uh, we administer tax laws for the government of Canada, so the federal government, and for most provinces and territories. You know, we have 10 provinces and three territories, and we administer tax laws on most of their behalves. Uh, we also administer various uh, social and economic benefits and incentives programs uh, that are delivered through the tax system. So we'll get into some of those uh, programs, I think, as we go on. But uh, but yeah, so we're, we're not just the tax authority, but we also are providers of benefits and incentives uh, to Canadians. Uh, and basically, I just want to say that what our mission is, is to contribute to the ongoing social and economic well-being of Canadians. Mm-hmm. That's a great mission, yeah. <laughs> so the majority of listeners will not be familiar at all with Canada's income tax system. So can you run us through some of the very basic knowledge and terms that we'll, we'll often see throughout the process? Yeah, I mean, the starting point is, uh, we'll, we'll just start with the basics of uh, if you're a salaried employee in Canada, you've come to Canada, you've got a job, and you're getting set up to, uh, to get paid, you'll notice uh, off the bat that you're going to have uh, deductions taken off of your pay every week, every two weeks, however often you get paid. And you'll get a, a, a pay stub, basically, from your employer, which is also a statement of earnings, uh, however it's worded by them. And you'll notice on those uh, statements that you're going to have uh, deductions from your pay for Canada Pension Plan contributions, uh, employment insurance benefits, and for... Uh, taxes, uh, income tax. Now, the the CPP, Canada Pension Plan, and EI, Employment Insurance, those are all part of the kind of social safety net uh, for, for Canadians. Um, they're paid out by a different uh, branch of government, but uh, the, the CRA sort of takes care of, uh, of, uh, of taking that money and, and distributing it. Uh, I don't, you'll, you'll see that uh, by the end of February every year, uh, you'll get a statement from your employer called a T4 slip. Uh, I don't know if you've seen one of those before yourself, but uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, so you'll get a T4 slip, uh, the different types of T slips uh, that are distributed by payers in Canada, but the T4 is the one that employees get. And you'll see on it, they'll be broken down by a bunch of boxes on that slip showing you what your total income was from employment, uh, what your total tax deducted was, what your CPP and EI uh, deductions were and various other deductions like union dues, uh, charitable donations if you've done that through your uh, payroll system. So you have all that information in front of you and that's what you will use to file your income tax return. Okay, fantastic. So a great area that may confuse people is is the time period for when you become a resident of Canada for income tax purposes. So could you explain more about that timeline for us? Yeah, I mean, you become resident of, Can of Canada for income tax purposes generally when you arrive in Canada. Now, that's, I say generally because there are a lot of exceptions to that rule, and it depends a lot of time on a case-by-case -case evaluation of what your circumstances are. Uh, this, the key concept, the key uh, determining factor is whether or not you've established residential ties in Canada. And the primary significant residential ties that we look at for figuring out if, you, if you're a resident for tax purposes are things like whether you have a home in Canada, 
whether you have a spouse or common law partner in Canada, and whether you have dependents in Canada. Those are the sort of the, the really primary ones that we look at to help you determine if you are resident for tax purposes. Um, so, for example, if you've come to Canada temporarily uh, because you've got a, a work contract, but you don't establish a home, you don't purchase a home, you, your, your spouse, your children are back overseas uh, in your home country, you're likely not to have established residential ties for uh, tax purposes, so you don't have to worry about uh, filing a tax return, necessarily speaking. Um, or if you're, let's say, for example, an international student, you've come to Canada specifically to go to school and get a degree, but you don't have any intention of staying here. Uh, they, there are cer special circumstances where you're not considered to be a, a resident in Canada for tax purposes. But generally speaking, it's, as soon as you arrive in Canada, you've established your residential status here. Okay. And so if you believe that you're you're not a resident of Canada for income tax purposes, what, what do you do then? Do you still have to file? Not necessarily. It depends on what your pay circumstances are. If you're, a, if you're an employee in Canada if, if temporarily, uh, you may be required to file a non-resident tax return. But generally mm -hmm. speaking, people who are not resident in Canada don't file a return in Canada. Okay. So... I'm aware that there are probably numerous benefits and credits that are available to apply for. Uh, this is when some of that overwhelm can start to creep right. in. So could you share some brief definitions with us of, of some of the main ones, such as, you know, the Canada Child Benefit, GST, HST credit, and, and so on? Sure. Yeah, I'll start by talking about those two uh, benefits that you've just mentioned. I mean, the Canada Child Benefit's a fairly prominent one. Uh, it's a tax-free monthly payment that's made uh, to eligible families to help them with the cost of raising children under the age of 18. Now, the important point here is when you arrive in Canada uh, to apply for the uh, Canada Child Benefit, you have to fill out a, an application form. It's called an RC66. It's a Canada Child Benefit application. You may also have to submit uh, information about your status in Canada and your income information. Uh, if you have world income before you arrive in Canada, that is not necessarily subject to tax in Canada, but you have to tell us what it is so we can figure out how much to pay you uh, for the uh, Canada Child Benefit. Um, because one of the things I think is really important to note about these benefit programs, a lot of them are, are income tested. They depend on how much your family net income is uh, to uh, establish how much you're entitled to. Um, so, for example, the Canada Ch Child Benefit uh, will decrease in payout to you once your family net income's reached a certain level. So over $31,000, sorry to correct myself, uh, that's when you're, you start to receive less of the benefit uh, like the, the overall total benefit for a child under the age of six is about $6,700 a year. And like I said, it's paid out monthly. Uh, and for children between six and 17 years of age, the maximum is about $5,700 a year. But like I said, those amounts will decrease uh, depending on how high your, your family net income is. Uh, so one thing I, I want to return to an earlier topic where I was talking about filing a tax return, you have to file a tax return to receive those benefits. And if you're married or living common law, uh, this is one of the key features of Canada's tax system is that you have to file individually. Uh, there's We don't have a, some other jurisdictions have what they call jo filing jointly. Uh, that's not how it works in Canada. Each individual has to file their own tax return showing their own income. And we will take that information and calculate how much you're entitled to receive uh, for your children. 
So that's that's my general overview of the Canada Child Benefit. I don't know if you have any questions about that or. Um, I think my main question coming from that is, is the common law thing? So it is really interesting to me that you have to file individually. I just had to do it myself for the first time. I've always been an individual and now we've kind of finally ticked over to being officially common law. So um, can you confirm how long uh, you have to live with somebody to to then be classified as common law? Um, And then, yeah, the fact that you still have to file separately, but then you're claiming obviously common law and you have to put the person's name on your application and things like that? That is a really good question. It's important to, to make a point, make note of that. Uh, the definition of common law for a Canadian tax purposes, it means that you've cohabited uh, for 12 consecutive months. Uh, that's if you're childless. As soon as you have a child in common, you're immediately considered to be common law. So right. that's, that, that's, the, that's the basic uh, definition for you. And it, and it is important to note that, that you each have to file separately and... Uh, and file on time. Um, we can talk about the deadlines in a, in a couple of minutes. But uh, but yeah, you, you both have to file your tax returns to keep getting your benefits. The other credit I wanted to tell you about is the GST, HST credit. I think you mentioned that uh, off the top. So I can say a few words about that uh, particular uh, program. So that uh, the GST, HST credit, it's a tax-free quarterly payment. It, it helps individuals and families with low and modest incomes to offset all are part of the GST or HST they pay. Now, this is something, I mean, I can expand a little on what GST or HST are. They are they're, they're basically, to, to put it bluntly, they're, they're sales taxes, they're, they're consumption taxes. Every time you go out to purchase uh, an item or a service, like get, get a haircut or, or go buy a piece of computer equipment, uh, you're going to pay the sales tax on that. Now, there's the, the goods and services tax, slash harmonized, harmonized sales tax. The The difference between the two just depends on the province that you live in. Some provinces provinces have an HST, some just have the GST. Mm, but, that was really interesting for me. Sorry to interrupt. But when I first moved to Canada, um, so in the UK, that sales tax is automatically included in prices that you see in the stores. So when I first got here, I do a big shop in the grocery store. And then I think I knew kind of how much it would end up being. And then obviously they add on the 13% in Ontario at the end. So it always kind of took me took me a while to get used to that. It's interesting. Yeah, no, it's true. If you travel throughout uh, like the European Union or other uh, jurisdictions, you, you don't even know that you're paying the VAT. It's, it's yes. just built in. Whereas in Canada, it's, it's separated out and you see it on your, uh, on your receipts uh, when you mm-hmm. go to pay. So the, the bottom line here is, is that everybody in Canada has to pay that uh, regardless of their income level. But to help compensate people who are lower modest income, individuals and families, uh, lower modest income, uh, the, the federal government pays out on a quarterly basis a tax-free uh, quarterly payment to, uh, to help assist people with those, with those expenses. And you have to file a tax return again every year to be eligible for that. Yeah, that's uh, great. And it, also, just, just to point out for newcomers, uh, even before you file your first tax return, you can put in an application for the GST. You can start receiving it as soon as you're a resident in Canada. So that's something your your listeners should know about. There's a special form to fill out called an RC151 that you can get from our website. And basically, you, you can apply right up front as soon as you've arrived in Canada uh, to receive those funds. Wow. So when you have to prove residency, that's just, you know, it could be a lease agreement or a, a property agreement or what do you need to prove residency in a way? 
Yeah, sometimes we may ask you for uh, for for documentation to prove that you're res- resident in Canada, and those what you've just mentioned there, um, you know, a, a contract of employment, a lease agreement, uh, those are things that uh, we'll, we'll accept. We'll look at that uh, bank account statement. Uh, uh, there's there's a whole range of documentation that we we can ask you for, and up front as well, I can mention that there is a, a process for requesting determination. Uh, you can ask the CRA our opinion on whether or not you are resident in Canada. There's a whole you know separate uh, process for doing that, and there's a form to fill out with documentation and so on. Yeah, I think we can we can definitely add some resources in the show notes. So if you are interested in that, we'll have some links there, uh, and you can um, read up some more on that. So. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, are there any other benefits and credits you'd like to, to share? I think for now, those are the main ones. As well, I'll just mention briefly, there's something called the Climate Action Incentive for residents of certain provinces in Canada. Uh, Canada has uh, begun to charge a, a basically pollution pricing, uh, otherwise known as a carbon tax. And uh, you need to file a tax return in certain provinces, such as Ontario, uh, to get uh, what's called a, a the climate action incentive, which is a credit you receive for the fact that prices are going up because of carbon taxes. So just, just something to, to bear in mind. That's another feature of the Canadian tax system that uh, you know, is dependent on you filing your tax return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I did see that on, on my return this year, so that's good. <laughs> okay, so the time rolls around to, to file your tax return, which, which is when? It's yearly in the spring? Yeah, it's uh, like I said, end of February is when you start getting your, your slips from your employers. And then uh, the typical deadline for most people to file their tax returns is April the 30th. So mm-hmm. you've got a window there of a couple of months to gather together all of your documents, your receipts and your forms and so on and, and get ready to file. Uh, April 30th is the filing deadline for most individuals. Like I said, uh, if you are self-employed or your spouse or common-law partner is self-employed, you get a bit of extra time. You have until June the 15th to file your return. But uh, the important point here is the uh, if you have taxes pay- payable for the year, if you have a tax balance, you need to pay it by April the 30th to avoid uh, getting arrears interest on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, let's run through the process of filing then, uh, you know, which income tax packages to use, how to file your tax return on the internet, uh, when to submit your return. You did just touch on that. But yeah, all that good stuff. Run us through the process. Yeah. So the the starting point for figuring out which tax package to use is what province do you live in? Uh, it's the where you reside on December the 31st. Uh, that's the uh, tax package you should be looking for. So if you're living in Toronto or if you're living in Oakville on uh, December the 31st of uh, the tax year, uh, you're an Ontario resident. So you should get the tax package for Ontario residents. Now, Canada still allows people to file using paper. You can uh, get a paper tax return printed out or you can order a copy from us. But the majority, vast majority of Canadians, about 90% from year to year, file electronically. And that's done either through using a software package or a web browser uh, package or through a tax professional, a tax preparer, who will file electronically on your behalf. So we encourage people to file electronically. It's, uh, it's much faster than filing on paper. It's, uh, it's easier. Uh, most of the, the software packages are very user-friendly. They walk you through uh, the tax return through a questionnaire-type format for the most part. Uh, there's a, a whole range of uh, packages out there for that are customized for for using a, a desktop computer or a smartphone smartphone or a tablet. Uh, so there's a there's a wide variety of tax packages. Some of them are free, 
uh, depending on uh, some of them depend on on your income circumstances. But uh, but you can go through the uh, Canada Red Revenue Agency's website, and you'll see there's a whole list of uh, of software packages available that uh, that could be easier to use for you than uh, going to a, a tax preparer, and also cheaper for you to to use. Wow, that's really great to know that you actually have a list of of trusted sources um, to 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 get that service. That's great. We'll definitely share that link because that's that's really useful. So yeah, these 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 tax packages are all certified by the CRA that that they will function properly and will interact with the CRA's uh, web system uh, or 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 the CRA's uh, databases uh, appropriately. And it's also worth pointing out as, as well with some of these tax packages. Uh, depending on how you're set up with the CRA, if you've set up to have what's called My Account access uh, through the CRA's website, there are some packages that uh, will auto-fill your tax return. You basically click a button and it will access the CRA's databases to see what slips are on file already, like your T4 slip. When your employer gives you a T4 slip at the end of February, they also send a copy to the CRA and it goes onto our database. And some tax packages software packages allow you to access that without having to key in anything into the into the system so that wow. it definitely it streamlines the process a lot and uh, and a thing to point out like i said earlier it's it's faster than filing on paper what that means is when you file electronically you can expect a turnaround time of about eight, eight business days if you were expecting a refund and you have direct deposit set up with us you'll get your refund in, in as little as eight business days wow as opposed to filing on paper can take typically four to eight weeks. Yes. Oh, night and day. Yeah, exactly. It's maybe yeah. something to get your head around, but it's definitely the way of the world now. And uh, yeah, 90% is, it's obviously working for a lot of people. So yeah, that's a great resource to have uh, to, to use those streamlined services for sure. Um, so could you, you share with us some examples of deductions that we could claim? Yeah, I think one of the most common deductions that Canadians get uh, familiar with, it's called the RRSP uh, deduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's the acronym for a Registered Retirement Savings Plan. And basically what that uh, vehicle is, it's it's a tax-sheltering system where you make your contributions to an RRSP, you're allowed to claim a deduction on your tax return to offset that those, uh, those deductions that you're not paying any tax on them up front. And then as you... Uh, get older and, and start withdrawing funds from it, that's when you pay tax on it, on those contributions and on the growth within those plans. So they stay tax sheltered until you access them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's something a lot of uh, Canadians are, are take advantage of. Uh, you need to have earned income in Canada to participate in that program. So you'll get every year when you get your notice of assessment from us showing that well, we've assessed your tax return, this is what your balance is, this is what your refund is. You'll also see a statement of your RRSP contribution limit, uh, which is calculated based on your earned income from year to year. So you'll be, that's something that a lot of Canadians take advantage of. I think one other deduction I want to mention just briefly for this year in particular, because I know a lot, it's on a lot of people's minds, it's uh, the deduction for home office expenses. Mm. So if you needed to work from home in 2020 uh, because of the pandemic, uh, you can use a simplified flat rate method to claim home office expenses on your tax return. Uh, it's a $2 a day uh, to a maximum of $400. You have to have worked from home at least 50% of the time uh, for a minimum of four weeks. But I know a lot of people were sent home, you know, in in March last year and have stayed there ever since. 
So, mm-hmm. yes, I'm definitely one of those. So, would you need a uh, proof from your employer then to to claim that? Yeah, for the uh, simplified uh, method uh, that I was just describing, uh, no, you don't need your your employer to sign off on anything. You just have to fill out. It's called a T77S form that a lot of the tax. Tax, tax packages have available already and you basically fill in the number of days that you were at home working and, uh, wow. and it automatically calculates for you i know if you have more than 400 dollars in expenses which you know sometimes it adds up if you're if you've got high rent if you've got high utilities uh, then you may want to claim the more than 400 in that case you do need proof from your employer you need a, a need them to sign off on a declaration of your conditions of employment and you'll need to provide uh, receipts or be be prepared to provide receipts uh, so there there is a more complicated uh, method that's that uh, that you is available to you if that's what you want to use great wow that's a really great tip i'm going to have to double check mine now because that's that's a really really good uh, deduction for sure um so can we quickly go back to the, the rsp um sure. so to, to sign up for that, it, it's generally through the employer, am I correct? You have to, to go through the employer to, to sign up for that? Not necessarily, no. Like There, there are some employers that do allow for that, for uh, signing up for RSP contributions through their payroll program. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of Canadians just have their own plans. So you just go to a financial institution and say, I want to set up a registered retirement savings plan, and they'll walk you through the, the contractual side of it, uh, you know, setting up... Uh, if you're going to have a, a beneficiary on the account and those types of things. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just done through the banks uh, for the most part, the credit unions, uh, financial institutions. Great. Well, thank you. That's that's great. Um, so finally, and, and arguably most importantly, let's address uh, fraud and scams. I think everybody must have received one of those phone calls at some point from an individual or a robot recording uh, stating they're from the CRA and, you know, we owe crazy amounts of money. There's a warrant out for our arrest. So there are some real cruel and, and scary things out there. And, and I think as newcomers, it makes us especially vulnerable as we, we may not necessarily understand that it's a scam straight away. Or, or what to look out for. So do you have any tips for, for how to recognize these scams and, and how to avoid falling prey to them? Yeah, I think this is a great uh, topic to bring up right now. Every year in Canada, we have uh, the month of March is Fraud Prevention Month. Mm-hmm. And it's always uh, a good idea to let everybody know, you know, remind people. Some people need reminders. Some people just need to be informed that, you know, there are ways that the CRA does business with uh, taxpayers that are legitimate, like we will call people to arrange uh, for payment of uh, tax debts. But one thing we will never do is use threatening language, uh, threaten you with an arrest, say that there's a warrant out for your arrest. Uh, These types of things is something that it's just as soon as you get that uh, impression that somebody's trying to to threaten you with anything, that's not the federal government calling you to collect. So our our major recommendation you just hang up on that uh, you can report uh, fraud to the Canadian Anti Fraud Center uh, and they'll make sure you have the link for your uh, for your records but uh, but yeah that's that's the main identifiers the, the the tone that's used if it's if it's completely unprofessional and threatening and and you know that type of thing that's not the CRA uh, there's other ways to identify some of these frauds i just want to point out uh, the method of payment that they demand uh, sometimes they'll say okay well you owe the the government money. You have to pay using a prepaid gift card. Oh my! Yeah, like they say, they say go to the the uh, 
the, the drugstore and buy like a Home Depot card or, or an Apple iTunes card or something like that and, and, say, and use that to pay your tax debt. The, that's not how we <laughs> accept payment at the CRA. Uh, sometimes they'll demand payment in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. Uh, that's that's a dead, give, dead giveaway that that's not the CRA asking for payment because we, we don't accept payment uh, using those methods. Uh, another thing to point out is if you get an email or a text message uh, telling you to click on a link uh, because you're do a refund. That's not coming from the CRA. We'll never email you a link, and we, we don't communicate by a text message under any circumstances. So those these are all tricks and tips for, for identifying what's a, what's a fraudulent call. Great. Yeah, no, those are great tips. And, and I would even say, if you're not sure, just hang up, like you said, and then you can yeah. always give the CRA a, a call back. And you know it's the legitimate number, and you can call them and, and get through to a, a representative and then kind of verify that phone call, and you can find out pretty quick that way as well. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely great advice. So that, uh, that we'll always be able to look into your account and verify, yes, you do actually owe, and that is the CRA calling. Mm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, a lot of times, these, a lot of these callers, it's, it's, they're trying to trick you. Yeah, I'm sure legitimate CRA reps have been hung up on. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened. So just calling them back and verifying it, it's, it's, it's probably happens quite a lot. So yeah. it's better to be safe than sorry, I would say. Absolutely. Great. Wow. Well, thank you so, so much again for your time. I think it's great to have such a, a personable and, and friendly voice for the agency. And, and I definitely feel a lot more informed and, and supported with knowledge. So So thank you. You're very welcome. And uh, for your listeners, uh, you can, as I said before, you can go to our website for more information, uh, canada.ca slash taxes. That's uh, the main repository for all the information that I just told you about. Great. And yes, we'll be chucking the show notes with all of uh, further resources and information there as well. So thank you so much again, Paul. Have a, have a great night. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week. Bye.